tú me pones un época, si tú no quieres hablar conmigo, dímelo para yo no llamarte ni molestarte, porque nada más que la tú. Real talk, real people, real stories. The He's Just Podcast. Yeah! Welcome, everyone, to another He's Just Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the He's Just a Social Worker Movement, Jules Duget, with another amazing show for you today. But before we get started, I want to remind everyone that this platform was built because too often as people, we were labeled or overlooked. This is no longer our plight and our fight is for anyone and everyone who feels a need to be understood. We are strong as individuals, but unstoppable when we unite. Today's guest, Douglas Mahal, incredible man in so many ways. I want you guys to listen in. Could we improve our mental health and life much longer by reversing the effects of something called hidden stress? My guest today says yes, and it's something that affects us all. This is a normal stress that we are hearing about. This comes from the water we drink, the air we breathe, the food we eat, and the consumer products and vehicles that we use. According to the American Heart Association, this stress affects us all. Douglas Mahal has written a best-selling book on this called Discovering the Nature of Longevity, Restoring the Heart and Body by Targeting Hidden Stress. It's recommended by the American Institute of Stress and includes a foreword by Columbia University's Chief of Cardiology. Douglas has spent decades teaching us about how to create healthy products and building these products to protect us from stress. This award-winning certification from his institute works and is recognized by the USPA. He also co-founded Alestrian Therapeutics, a biotech company that restores the damage from hidden stresses. He also is a researcher at two universities and internationally accredited expert on this topic. Aside from this, Douglas loves nature and he loves dogs. Welcome, Douglas. I like the dogs part. Jules, thanks for having me on your great show. <laughs> so excited. Um, you know, start us off. Tell us a little bit, you know, about you. Tell us about your journey and how do we get here? Well, you know, Jules, uh, my experience is that people really want to know what it is you're talking about, what is the solution, and can you please tell them in one minute? Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start with that uh, to, to get people going through the rest of the show. This is all about solutions, but the reason I wrote the book is because this hidden stress affects everybody starting from the day that you're born. And despite the fact, as you said, that the American Heart Association has recently highlighted it as a major new cause of heart disease, hardly anybody knows about it. So on one hand, it's affecting everybody. On the other hand, hardly anybody knows about it. And it especially affects African-Americans, people with diabetes, and children. So mm -hmm. if you fall into any of those categories, definitely this is going to be important for you. But I want to emphasize it's affecting all of us, you, me, and everybody. Why, you, why, why do you call them hidden? And what do they do for us? They're hidden because you don't feel them. You can't sense them. You don't smell them. Uh, and they usually don't show up until you're sick. 
And mm. uh, this is why they're called uh, hidden uh, stresses. So these are things that are triggered uh, by the environment uh, around us. And um, they start really from the day that you're born. Um, and I'll just give you, you know, two quick examples of, of that. Uh, starting from the day that you're born, uh, toxic metals are bombarding us uh, from everywhere. And we'll get into that uh, in a minute. And it's the same thing with low-grade infections. So these are infections that are pretty standard but are not detected and are normally not tested for. So in each case, what happens is they build up inside you um, and they create a total stress load. And these are a really good reason why as soon as you hit the age of 30, more or less, you start feeling a little bit more tired and everything else uh, because these hidden stresses are piling up and piling up and piling up. So that's why they're called hidden. You don't detect them until they really start to make you sick. A lot of times I, I do come across people who often, when they are in particular conversations, I'm stressed. This is something that they usually say. And some of this may be accredited to some of the things that you've pointed out, maybe how people are, are, are seeing this. But I also believe that some of these stressors that we are dealing with, as you mentioned, are built early on. And I know that you preface something around since birth. Can you help us understand how this is to be since birth? Once mom has given birth to the, to the, to the child, how does this become you know, something that really takes on. Sure. Uh, I'll just give you an example in the news because the two things we're talking about right now are uh, toxic metals, and I'll explain what they are in a moment, and mm -hmm. these low-grade uh, infections. So uh, recently, uh, Consumer Reports came out with a study showing that of all things, uh, snacks and baby foods contain high levels of these uh, toxic metals. Can you imagine? Of all mm -hmm. the places that we're going to put something uh, toxic uh, is going into uh, these uh, these baby foods, and it's been in these baby these popular baby foods uh, for uh, for some time. However, having said that, uh, ever since uh, humans began to walk the face of the earth, uh, these toxic metals have actually been with us. They, they were created uh, when the when the earth was created, and mm -hmm. they include things like uh, lead, cadmium, and mm -hmm. arsenic, and these are found uh, naturally in the soil. Uh, and they're, they're found in, as a result of that, they leach into our drinking water, um, our uh, crops. Ever since we started uh, uh, actually farming, uh, our crops started taking up these heavy metals along with the other nutrients that they take up from the soil. So we have been eating them. And so ever, and that also explains partially why in these old remains of human mummies, um, and bodies that were frozen during uh, the Ice Age, uh, you know, in the Swiss Alps, uh, they found these white traces which traced where their arteries used to be. Those are signs of cardiovascular disease at a relatively young age. You know, these people died in their 30s uh, sometimes. So this presence of these toxic metals, which provoke um, this inflammatory response that leads to cardiovascular disease and other things, um, is has you know it's 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 always been there and it seems as though uh, this goes a long way towards answering 
why we don't live a lot longer because this stuff actually uh, piles up uh, in us. So if you if you sort of fast forward to uh, today, um, we've done really well at incorporating these toxic metals into our products because guess what? They're quite functional, mm. uh, especially for uh, you know consumer products. And as everyone knows, lead was in gasoline until the 1970s. And mm. so anyone who was around in the 1970s actually has uh, elevated levels of uh, lead in them. And by the way, that's not me talking. Again, that's the American Heart Association. So uh, the good news is that suddenly a real true light has been shone on this uh, by the American Heart Association. And, and actually, uh, the chief author of that uh, statement by the AHA wrote the forward to my book. And so I've been pretty close to this story for, um, you know, for, for many, many uh, years. It's interesting because recently I just took a look at this little documentary, uh, Game Changers, and it's hitting on some of the points that you were just talking about. Right. When we were gladiators, cave people, we were eating, you know, plant-based foods. We were doing the right thing because we were going, avoiding the middleman, which was probably, you know, chicken, pork and the things that we live off now. But some of these things that I found pertinent to what you just answered were connected to this, that their livelihood, their longevity of life was longer. They were stronger. They had more energy. And hence, the stress levels were probably, you know, lower because of that. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about discover the nature of longevity and what does that represent for you? Well, actually, the full title is Discovering the Nature of Longevity, Restoring the Heart and Body by Targeting Hidden Stress. And as I just described, the reason I call it Discovering the Nature of Longevity is because these have been with us for a long, long time, and they've put this glass ceiling uh, at about 120 years, even though people's average lifespan has increased over the last uh, you know, century and a half the actual 120-year ceiling has never been breached, mm. uh, despite the fact that if you look at other smart animals with brains, you know, uh, body brain size equivalent to the ratio equivalent to ours, like, for example, bowhead whales mm-hmm. and uh, some species of shark, they live to be 250 or 300 years. They seem to have a different immune response uh, to these uh, these. Um, uh, these toxic metals and uh, these uh, infections. Mm-hmm. So this is a really important uh, factor in um, in our own body's response to them. The basic problem here is that despite the fact that we have been living with these for thousands and thousands of years, our body has not figured out how to deal effectively with the buildup. It uses, and everyone knows this, uh, chronic inflammation. You've heard about it you know, all over the place. Well, that these, these low-level infections and these uh, toxic materials, they provoke this chronic inflammation. Now, inflammation is good for you in the short run, gets you out of trouble. That's what it's designed to do. If you cut yourself, you know, all of the inflammatory stuff comes in and cleans up the mess and you know, protects you. Problem is, when that becomes chronic, that inflammatory response turns against you. Your body turns against you slowly but surely until you have this chronic inflammation all the time. And so this is kind of a, you know, our body, you got to remember that 
Homo sapiens is a relatively new species. You know, we haven't been around for millions of years like some of the sharks and whales and everything else. And our immune systems simply have not gotten to that point yet where we've been able to adapt to this. And the result of that is that we're starting to have to figure out how to test for, diagnose and treat uh, these these uh, hidden stresses. And that's what I describe in the book. Because mm -hmm. it's amazing how many hundreds of studies, and I cite 700 scientific sources in the book. Uh, that's not to say it's for science. It's, 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 it's not for scientists. It's actually for, uh, you know, non-scientific uh, readers. So the, uh, the book really describes what this stuff is, how it gets into us, what it does to us, who is most prone to it, what are the diseases that are triggered by it, what the standard treatments are for it, and what are the therapies and preventions uh, that are actually shown uh, to be working. And that's why I wrote the book, was to empower as many people as possible to take control of their own health. And that was my purpose in writing the book. I'm going to let my listeners know the book is a smash. I actually just copped it myself. Discovering the nature of longevity, restoring the heart and body by targeting hidden stress. You know, it's it's number one on seven different categories. It is a very smart book for us to use when we're thinking about prevention, when we're thinking about what to eat and what not to not try. You know, a lot of us, as you had mentioned, because we're newer to this, we are now facing the word of a provider. And usually when we visit a doctor, you know, we have these questions, what are my risks? What's my blood pressure? We have that kind of basic lingo about cholesterol numbers and things of that nature. But I do feel that there is a lot to be said about the struggle that we have when we receive the news. So when the numbers aren't adequate, we begin to question ourselves. Is it my age? Is it family? Is it stress? Is it I'm not eating right? Is it my BMI? And doctors yeah. try in their own little visit to give us this yeah. information, but it's very daunting yeah. for us to kind of grasp all at the same time. Right on, brother. That's exactly the problem. It's, it's, it's a slap in the head. And actually, I want to give you uh, two really good examples of how people have dealt with that slap in the head and a couple of examples of how they didn't deal with it and, and what happened. So first, the good news. You, want, you mind if I give a few examples? This, this is your show, friend. <laughs> okay. So um, Peter Bartelli, a pilot with United Airlines, uh, flew long-haul flights. He was senior pilot. Uh, four years before retirement, uh, he flunks his FAA stress test. And they said, well, you had a stent placed in one of your arteries and it's plugged up. If you get two stents, you can't fly, not according to our regulations. If you have surgery and get it cleaned out, no, you can't fly either because then that puts you too much at risk. So sorry, your wings are clipped. You're not going to fly anymore. Uh, see you around. Mm -hmm. Now, so Peter was facing losing 50% of his pension. He loved flying. He loved flying. So the first thing that he did in response to this slap in the face was he fired his cardiologist. <laughs> oh my God. And uh, on the recommendation of a friend, he went to see another cardiologist uh, in Tampa, Florida, actually. 
And uh, this cardiologist uh, said to him, okay, I want you to do two things. I want you to change your diet. And I want you to try this new nutraceutical, uh, which is also known as, you know, a, a supplement. So supplements are, are nutraceuticals. And there are some clinical results uh, showing that it has been very effective uh, in people with uh, cardiovascular disease. So Peter said, okay, well, you know, what have I got to lose? So uh, he went ahead and he, he took the therapy and he changed his diet. And I want to emphasize he did both, eh? Mm. He didn't just do one. So they, they played off of each other in a, in a positive feedback loop. And uh, a few months after he had started doing this, he passed the FAA test with flying colors. And the FAA doctors, according to Peter, were absolutely astonished. They thought that the original diagnosis was a mistake mm. because they couldn't find anything. And as a result of that, Peter Bartelli flew for 10 more years it, well into his 60s and retired by his own choice. And today, he tells me, I just talked to him, you know, a few months ago, he's still racing his car at Sebring <laughs> or at least running it around the track. So this is a really good example of someone whose career would have been completely ruined. Their life would have been ruined. And how many times have you heard this with heart disease? Eh? Mm -hmm. And for Peter, it worked. You know, and it was a product called Nanobac TX. I want to emphasize I've got no financial interest in this product, but I have used it myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it worked uh, for him and it's worked for many, many uh, other uh, people. So that's one example. Another example is uh, more than 10 million Americans and especially African-Americans are uh, and diabetics are in a serious situation with something called peripheral artery disease. That is when the arteries in your legs block up mm. okay, from, from heart disease. So it's a form of heart disease. And often uh, this leads to um, serious surgery and amputation. Mm. And to tell you how big this problem is, the New York Times uh, just about six weeks ago did a massive expose on surgery that's being done for peripheral artery disease and found, guess what? Motivation for profits comes in before the patient's interest. So talk about a slap in the face. You know, these people are being told, oh, you got to have surgery. We got to replace the artery or, or guess what? You're so far gone that we have to amputate your foot. By the way, 175,000 people in the United States every year have their feet amputated because of peripheral artery disease. Mm. Okay. So, Go back about 10 years. About 10 years ago, um, a uh, clinical trial was conducted, um, funded by the National Institutes of Health across the United States. And it was conducted to prove that a therapy didn't work. They were so skeptical about it because there had been so many claims about it that they said, okay, we got to get this nonsense out of the way and prove that this doesn't work so people stop using it. It's called chelation uh, therapy. But when you hear the word chelation, you got to be very careful. There's different kinds of chelation therapy. And this particular kind is certified uh, by the National Association of, of Chelating Physicians. Um, and it's a combination of, um, and this is the word chelation means to grab. So what happens is the drug chemically grabs uh, the toxic metals that have lodged in your tissue and it takes it out and you pee it out in your urine, okay? Mm -hmm. And then the other part of it is high doses of multivitamins um, and and uh, uh, nutraceuticals, and uh, together they are infused into the patient. So 
uh, this clinical trial was done over 10 years. And for diabetic patients who constituted a significant portion of the, of the patients, it was shown that there was a 41% reduction in all causes of death, not just death from heart disease, but all causes of death. Mm-hmm. And that those results were reported in 2014, 2015, if you can imagine. The most important thing about the study was it showed that this chelation therapy is safe and it's effective, especially in diabetes. And this was a shock to the researchers, the cardiologists who conducted the study, because they were expecting the study to fail. Hmm. Okay. So the same cardiologist at Mount Sinai um, Medical Center in Miami had peripheral artery disease patients who were facing imminent amputation of their feet. Imagine, okay? And by the way, 25% of amputees die in the first year. This is a really awful, serious disease. And the surgery is like, the cure is worse than the disease. And it's not even a cure. So they decided, based on the safety results of the clinical trial, to go ahead and try this. They did. Uh, they, uh, the patients took these infusions once a week for 40 weeks. And after 40 weeks, seven out of 10 patients completed the trial. Three didn't. The three who didn't um, either died or had amputations. And the seven who did, none of them had amputations. All of them were walking around with pink toes, which had previously been black and gangrenous. An amazing report. And this was published in four peer-reviewed journals. That was in 2017, and the results were published in 2019. And furthermore, they published another study showing that this costs 80% less than standard surgery for the same uh, illness. Now, my question is, how many people have heard of this? Mm. None. Uh, the, 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 you know, after all of these results were published, Mount Sinai received zero, and I repeat, zero inquiries from cardiologists around the country who had peripheral artery disease patients. So what does this tell you? This tells you that for some reason, and the New York Times pointed out some of those reasons, as I described earlier, um, cardiologists are not informing their patients about this. Now, if you were a drug company and you had an effect like that in a preliminary clinical study, the very first thing that would happen is the FDA would be recommending this as a emergency treatment. It's for sure. Mm-hmm. Not in this case. Oh, no. No, mm-hmm. not in this case. No cardiologists are recommending it. And the FDA has said, oh, I think we need another 10-year clinical trial. Meanwhile, we have a safe therapy that has been demonstrated to save these people. So that's why I wrote the book, is to get this information out there. Uh, it's so important that people know about this so that when they get the slap in the face, they know that something else is available. And the other thing, uh, Jules, I want to emphasize, I'm not a physician. I'm not prescribing this. I'm not recommending it. I'm just giving the information out to people. My background is in, as you put it at the top of the show, uh, teaching designers how to keep these toxic metals out of consumer products. And we've been very successful at it. We've uh, created, co-created award-winning buildings. Um, and by the way, there are some in New York. And it's, um, uh, it's, it's been a very successful program. As you said, it's recognized by the U.S. Uh, EPA. So that's my, I, I ran and uh, consulted with a scientific institute that worked on this. And they specialize in these, these toxic 
uh, metals. So, and you know something, most caregivers are not trained in these metals. And that is exactly what the American Heart Association said, point blank. Mm. They said the problem we have here is that standard caregivers simply are not trained in how to test for, diagnose, treat, or prevent this low-level contamination by these toxic metals. And they also said, we need to do something about this. And I'm so glad that I'm on your show today because only if everybody asks for this, they ask their physicians for it, they demand it, they write the FDA saying, why aren't you releasing this You know, for special consideration, just like you do with all the pharmaceuticals uh, companies. And I would encourage everybody to do that. It's like the AIDS situation, you know. Uh, AIDS didn't, uh, w- you know, there was no effective therapy for AIDS and that wasn't, you know, the, the effective therapy didn't al- come along because all of a sudden the drug industry decided to do it. It's because a couple of movie stars got together and all their friends were dying and they got active. Mm. And, you know, this this lesson has to be taken again and again and again. So that's what we need to do. And that's why I wrote the book, to empower people to do that. Douglas, we want to say that, you know, in your answers, just to summarize, there's so much to look at. In Peter, the pilot, we can see that someone may have been turned around. They made a move to kind of better themselves and better their circumstances. And here on our platform, we always encourage people to do such because many a times the bigger entities, the people with titles and power, whether they fail to see what we are seeing, whether they do not understand what we are pushing, we are talking about life. We are talking about people and families losing family members. So we appreciate that you are up against this. And now that you're just saying, how difficult has this been for you? Because as far as history has seen, we have noticed that as this began to develop in Cuba, and then it moved on into different entities where doctors began like a dream team sort of, and began to push this envelope, how much pushback have you received from bigger farmers or different companies when you are trying to let them understand that there are some outlets out here that can really save lives. Well, uh, this is important, and I'm glad you asked that. Uh, the first thing is, it's not your doctor's fault. Your doctor is working in a sick care system. We don't have a healthcare system globally. Uh, we have a sick care system. It waits until you get sick, and that's what we a- we asked for over the last 35 years, 40 years. You know, oh, I've been smoking and drinking too much. Can you give me a pill to make me better, or give me a stent, or you know, whatever? So uh, that's been the demand to keep people going. Uh, and the result of that is that the pharma industry responded with, well, this stuff will keep you going. It won't cure you. It won't, uh, you know, it won't prevent anything, but uh, here it is. And so that's what we have today. And the result of that is that uh, the doctors are all stuck in this system to the degree that if they venture outside that so-called standard of care, the local medical board will go after them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of what I've encountered, I have to say from um, – holistic physicians and integrative cardiologists who look at the whole person. This There's been a very good response. And these people already know how to test for and how to treat this. So to be sure, there is a large cadre of physicians and caregivers who do know how to do this. And we need to 
encourage them. So if you get a blowback from your standard caregiver, what I would do and uh, what Peter Bartelli did is get a second opinion at least. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's the first step to uh, empowerment. Now, the other thing I have to say is that I think you, you phrased it very well. It's been a combination of factors. It's kind of like a perfect storm of nastiness. Uh, people aren't trained. The experts aren't trained in how to do this. The pharma companies don't like it because it doesn't make a profit for them, and it competes with their existing drugs. Um, and uh, perception is reality, and that means that uh, there's a lot of caregivers out there, and there's actually been a paper published on this in the Lancet Medical Journal. Uh, they simply don't believe the facts. It's like fake news, eh? Uh, which is rampant uh, these days. But they look at the facts, they look at the published data, and they say, no, that can't possibly be true because I wasn't trained that way. So you get this nasty combination, <laughs> you know, happening. And yeah, it's it's definitely an uphill battle. But I want to tell you just, it's an odd thing that we're doing this program today because yesterday, I want to give you an example of what happens when you don't do this therapy or you go off the therapy. My brother-in-law had a stroke yesterday. And mm. he actually had been uh, taking the therapy, but due to some other drugs that he was taking, the doctors advised him, uh, you know, maybe you should not uh, take this right now. So he stopped four months later, yesterday, he had a stroke. And I, we've seen this uh, before. So, uh, you know, people start taking this therapy. Um, and then Oh, they get a little blowback from their doctors and, oh, this is kind of slow. Naturally, it's slow. This has been building up in you for years and years and years. So it might take a year to get, you know, get you back to where you want to be. And they stop and then the trouble starts. So that's the comparison to Peter Bartelli versus, you know, what happens when you stop. Uh, that's not to say you have to take this stuff all your life. Uh, and I want to emphasize again that uh, diet is really important. And by the way, there are some foods that uh, you can actually uh, use to your, help your body uh, get rid of these. And there's one in particular that I just love that everybody can do in their kitchen. They can grow it. Broccoli sprouts, not, not the big broccoli, uh, but the little sprouts that just take a couple of days to grow in a dish, you know, in your kitchen. There's these little kits that you can buy. And they're reported to be up to 100 times more effective in chelating uh, these metals than the big broccoli itself. The big broccoli is also good, but it's just not nearly as effective. Uh, so those and uh, curcumin, um, there are some uh, green leafy vegetables. Uh, and so these can all help. For sure. The other thing I want to add, very important, and this is not a political statement, it's just a, a self-defense statement for people. Uh, if you're going to be eating uh, meat, uh, especially processed meat, uh, you're putting a lot of this stuff into you because animals bioconcentrate. They concentrate this stuff in their flesh, just like your body does. So if you're eating uh, what they have eaten, it's already concentrated in them. And quite often, uh, the feed that they get and the drugs that they get have got these, these, these trace metals in them. And uh, they bioaccumulate. So, mm, yeah, red meat, not a great idea. You know, I have gone plant-based 
myself about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I did, you know. Uh, so, um, I, you know, I have practiced what I preached uh, in this, uh, this area. Now, having said that, we can all drop dead of a heart attack tomorrow. But what's really interesting is it's been a mystery why people who have none of the traditional risk factors, you know, they don't smoke, they don't drink, they're not overweight, they exercise regularly, mm-hmm. they have heart attacks. Mm-hmm. A good friend of mine, a neighbor, right? A month, no, three months ago, he was playing hockey. You know, Canadians, they like playing hockey. <laughs> he had a heart attack, you know, just out of the blue, out of the blue. He had a heart attack. No symptoms at all beforehand. In 50% of the cases, the first symptom of heart disease is death. So these hidden stresses explain a lot why this is happening. I'm sending positive energy to you and your family and that your brother-in-law heals up and that everything works out. My mom and dad also passed on heart failure age, probably connected. But as you mentioned, the toxins, you know, we from the Caribbean, we we practice eating heavy meats and different foods, which I think attests to that. You know, even thinking about former president Bill Clinton, who who had a test, he ate a lot of hamburgers and in this first, you know, go around with this stroke or heart attack, he struggled mightily because even when he began to heal and you could think he had the resources to, to, to support, he was going at risk again. And uh, just you know, like you. Jules, it's funny you should say that because mm-hmm. I told my wife, who, by the way, is a fantastic plant-based cook. <laughs> uh, she's a, she's a, an environmental engineer, but she's just a, such a fantastic cook. She saved my life, really. Um, when, when Bill had his quadruple bypass or quintuple bypass, I said to my wife at the time, he's going to be dead in five years if he doesn't change his diet. Mm-hmm. Five years later, yeah, you said it, his stents all plugged up. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he did an interview, uh, uh, you know, many, many uh, interviews. And he described uh, this and he went completely plant based and Mm. he's still kicking. And and at his age, his family members have been long dead. So he's Mm -hmm. already uh, beat the um, uh, beat the odds. And, you know, it's it's it doesn't it's so it applies to presidents and almost all the presidents have got hardening of the arteries. Uh, because mm-hmm. this inflammatory response actually leads to hardening of uh, the arteries. Just to talk the chemistry um, a little bit for a moment, what happens is these heavy metals lodge uh, in your tissue all through your body. They get in your cells and next to your cells, and they disrupt the DNA, and they cause uh, havoc. You mm-hmm. know, it's something called oxidative stress. A lot of people have heard they take antioxidants for oxidative stress. Oxidative stress is a natural reaction of your cells to defend themselves against an attack. But when it gets out of hand, again, it turns against you. And that's what these metals provoke. So here you have this situation where um, this this oxidative stress is constantly causing this, uh, this problem that you don't see until it's too late. And it starts from the day you're born. Hmm. I want to also um, emphasize the importance of this because women alike to men get stricken by this. Um, yes. The world, um, you know, Heart Federation noted that there are some 
information sharing that women get it like 10 years later, but it's still the number one killer for them. So there's a lot to be said about how this impacts everyone. They don't get it 10 years later. They're usually diagnosed with it 10 years later, Mm -hmm. but it's there. Because why? Because the entire medical system until very recently was geared towards the average middle-aged male as the example, Mm -hmm. also for taking drugs. And so uh, women show completely different symptoms for uh, for heart disease. And they're quite often misdiagnosed absurdly. Things like mild hysteria, you know, it's in your head. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of women suddenly are surprised to find they are having a heart attack. So, yes, women need to pay special uh, attention uh, to this. Incredible. And for us, our community is built on not taking no for an answer. And I really appreciate the second opinion. I really appreciate the not giving up. Friend, can you tell us, Dr. Alan Moore, who you dedicate this book to? There's a lot of love that I felt in just reading. And I looked over and looked over this. Please tell us. Well, Alan and I went to school together. Um, He was... um... He worked in the mines in Australia and Canada in order to get enough money to put himself through medical school as a senior uh, student, which he succeeded at. And he became a really great uh, GP, general uh, practitioner um, in Vancouver, uh, Canada. And, you know, we stayed friends, uh, you know, until he, he died. And uh, he ended up with a, par- a nasty combination of Parkinson's and heart disease. And uh, he started taking the therapy. And then his colleagues just gave him heck and said, what are you doing with this stuff, this voodoo? Man? So he stopped. And, you know, many years later, he died. And not only that, but his quality of life uh, deteriorated. Now, on the Parkinson's, I'm not saying that uh, the nutraceutical was taken would have solved that problem because there's no clinical trial evidence on that, but definitely on the heart disease, there is. And so his wife really had it on with the neurologists, uh, you know, who were treating him saying, why are you telling him not to take this when you guys can't do anything about it? So he suffered severely and his wife suffered severely taking care of him for more than a decade. And I don't want to see that happen to anyone else. And that's why I dedicated Uh, the book uh, to him. So thank you very much for asking. We definitely appreciate your um, transparency and sharing this. And we dedicate this to him and his wife as well. We want, we want people to understand that sometimes when you do this work, you got to get your hands dirty. You have to fall against things that the more trained individual, the expert, if you will, but sometimes that second opinion that third, fourth question can push the envelope just enough because I feel that this is about perspectives. If it's the other way around and the person who is dealing is the physician and their family, and in this case, we're not going against the doctor, just saying it becomes very lopsided when something is not met when it's on your end. So we have to continue to push and work together. And thank you so much, Douglas, for bringing out important people today that are dear to you, because I think that this is the best way for our listeners to understand that in this work, we all have to get our hands dirty. And it doesn't matter going against people who may think that they know the right answer. If you know that there are things that you can do 
to kind of fix this, please go out there and try your best. You know, when we're thinking about the standard diagnoses mm. um, and these types of toxins, and for me, when I'm listening to that, I'm thinking about, you know, you eat the same thing every day, you know, chicken breasts and this and that, and you try to, you know, minimize the way that you consume foods. Are these toxins within our foods every day, everywhere, and so on? And and how do they play out into this? That's uh I'm going to say, first, there's a lot less of them in organically produced foods. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. So foods that don't, because pesticides can contain, um, you know, pesticides, artificial fertilizers, they all can contain um, heavy metals. For example, phosphate fertilizer, everyone's heard of phosphate fertilizer. Mm -hmm. Guess what it comes along with? Uranium. <laughs> it's when it's mined, right? This uranium ends up in the fertilizer. It's been there for years and years and years, you know, and that stuff's getting inside us because it's taken up by the plants and then it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's ingested. So, uh, you know, buy organic. I know a lot of people say, oh, it's so much more expensive. Every time I hear this, it's so much more expensive. I say, do you know what the copay costs and the hidden costs are of heart disease? Because if you think that this is expensive, you should see the money you're going to lay out for all of the incapacitation and the lost job time and the misery and everything else and all the trouble that your caregivers and your family are going to go to. And believe me, it is cheap at 10 times the price. So, you know, that's that's the uh, I, I think in, in terms of price. Now, you said the thing about diagnosis, and I'm glad you did, because. Uh, if you go to a, a standard physician and you say, I want to test for the so-called heavy metals or toxic metals, they'll do a blood test. And the blood test will probably show for most people that you're within the acceptable range. That's exactly what happened with the physicians who performed the clinical studies on the peripheral artery disease patients that I talked about near the top of the show. Mm -hmm. But as they treated the patients, guess what happened? Very high levels of lead, cadmium, chromium, gadolinium, which is the stuff that's used in uh, consumer electronics, tin, arsenic, right? Up to 6,000% higher than baseline for lead, can you imagine it, came mm -hmm. out of these patients in their urine. And as those levels declined coming out of the patients, the patients got better. Their feet got better. And that, more than anything else, was the proof in the pudding. That was the proof that, like, there's hundreds of studies and 100 years worth of studies showing that these, these metals provoke uh, uh, heart disease. But this showed that when you get rid of them, the heart patients get better. And that's one major reason why the American Heart Association was able to come out with this statement, because when they saw that, there you have it. You had cause and effect going both, uh, going, uh, both ways. Now, so to be clear, the standard blood tests don't work because guess why? This stuff isn't in your blood. There's traces of it in your blood. Mm -hmm. It's in your tissue. So mm -hmm. you've got to flush it out of the tissue in order to be able to measure it properly. And the way to do that is through this oral or infusion 
uh, chelation. By the way, both of them are described in the book. And also, there's a, another booklet I have called The Story of Nanobac TX. I want to emphasize that one. Mm -hmm. um, that's, by, uh, that's the story of how uh, Gary Mazzo, um 20 years ago, uh, put together this nutraceutical that Peter Bartelli used. And uh, it's been on the market ever since. And mm -hmm. you can get it by, uh, by mail order, you know, all across uh, the country. So you either take that or you do the infusion and then you have your measurement. So first you have your blood and urine test as a baseline, and then you do this, and then you pee it out again and you get the results. Now, a lot of the standard care giving organizations again say, oh, there's no international standard for that. You know, it's not dependable. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we do know that when all this stuff came out of these patients, peripheral artery disease patients got better. So that's proof enough for me at the moment while we're waiting for 10 more years of standardization. Mm -hmm. And I think so it's important for people to understand that the standard blood test will not necessarily show you what your load is. And they certainly will not show you about these low-level infections that we really haven't talked about uh, that much. But uh, just a word about it, and that is things like um, gingivitis, the stuff that gives you bad breath and that uh, mm -hmm. affects your gums. 100% uh, of uh, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's patients, more or less, um, have been found to uh, have uh, this, uh, the bacterium in their brain. Uh, now, uh, then the skeptics say, well, just because they have it, uh, you know, it could be that uh, the infection came along later. Well, yes, it could be. Um, but there are preliminary clinical results that suggest um, that their markers improve when this gingivitis is is treated. Uh, now, you have to, you know, get up on the science on that. But it's a, it's a moving uh, target. So it's just to say that normally your physician will not test for these, even though the tests um, are available. But the sure thing that there are tests for uh, that uh, can be performed are these, um, these toxic metals. One of the things I, I, I heard in your answer early on was about consumers making better choices around organic. And many of our consumers may or may not have the ability to still to this day to shop for organic foods. And you talked about planting and creating your own. Yeah. Are there ways that the less fortunate who are dealing with poverty and like too right. much to deal with? Okay, what are so how about do? growing sprouts in your kitchen? Mm -hmm. It's cheap. Mm -hmm. You just take a tray, you know, these little plastic trays, they hardly cost anything. You put the, the sprout seeds in them and up they come in three or four days and they're mm -hmm. so nutritious Mm -hmm. They're not just getting rid of the metals. They're highly nutritious because they're coming out of that seed that has all these core uh, nutrients uh, uh, in it. So mm -hmm. anyone who you know has hardly any money, get the seeds, get the water, get mm -hmm. the plastic, and start yeah. growing them in your kitchen. You know, like that's a really simple thing uh, to do. I know these days food is ridiculously expensive, mm -hmm. so it's time to start doing this uh, ourselves and. As sprouts are a great way to do it, Jules. And, you know, it, it's not a miracle cure-all, but, you know, they taste great. And the, you can put them in your salad. You can put them in your hamburgers. You can, you know, even though you shouldn't be eating hamburgers, but, <laughs> you know, they're a great garnish. And so that's one thing that everybody can uh, do.
You know, many times when we go for our yearly checkups, you know, many, many patients may share with the doctor, you know, I'm having some symptoms of fatigue. I'm tired more than other, you know, do you drink enough water? I have some unspecified autoimmune stuff that's going on. I'm showing signs. Oh, maybe I worked out too hard. There's some inflammation that I believe is happening. What are you telling patients or what should people be thinking about when they're having these symptoms and they are not thinking about heart disease because it's not prevalent in my family. It's not prevalent. I'm not the age. I do eat right. All right. What are some of the things that we can do to kind of right. move forward against those things? What uh, I would say is this. This is an autoimmune disease. Heart disease is an autoimmune disease. Your body is turning against you. That's mm -hmm. what's going on. It's a chronic inflammatory response against an invader that is mm -hmm. stuck in your tissue. So mm -hmm. a lot of other uh, uh, diseases, and I'll just give you some examples, these toxic metals are carcinogenic. They disrupt your DNA. They create mm -hmm. mutations. Mm -hmm. So this isn't just a question of heart disease. Uh, a lot of cancers have been attributed uh, to these, these heavy metals. They, they literally rip your DNA apart. So mm -hmm. this is uh, chemically. And so this is a real uh, problem. And yes, there. Are, so it's it's kind of across the board. Anything associated with a chronic uh, autoimmune response, chronic inflammation, um, you know, these low-grade infections. And again, that's why I wrote the book. These low-grade infections and these low levels. And I want to emphasize: the American Heart Association didn't say toxic uh, toxic metals. Period. They said low levels of toxic metals. Mm -hmm. So this isn't this isn't metal poisoning that your doctor normally would look for or test for. That would be in your blood. This is low levels that that uh, you know are are barely detectable with the standard tests. So yeah, that's that's the issue right there. Mm -hmm. Well, we we plan to put your books obviously on our website, and links will be available to that. And like I said, I just purchased. Your most recent book, it's a smash. Very fortunate to, to get my um, hands on that. The one thing about what's happening new, what is trending, what new technologies are coming down the pipeline? Well, we got some really good news. Um, so, and again, this is something that African-Americans and diabetics are especially prone to. It's called aneurysm. Mm -hmm. So uh, an aneurysm is a bulge in the artery. It can happen anywhere in the body, but it usually happens near the heart or in the brain or uh, in the blood vessels leading uh, to the brain. And uh, 10 million North Americans suffer from aneurysms, 50 million people worldwide. And anyone who has an aneurysm and knows they have an aneurysm, because a lot of people have them and don't know, um, knows that when they burst, they are frequently fatal. And there is no effective treatment for them. And the surgery to repair them is expensive and risky. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in 2007, scientists at Clemson University in South Carolina discovered a naturally derived substance that kickstarts the repair process of the elastic in your arteries. And when they tried it on lab animals, the a uh, the aneurysms disappeared. They mm -hmm. disappeared, and that was because the assembly process for these very sophisticated elastic fibers 
that are all over your body, but they're they're in, all, in many of your arteries. Um, it kickstarts that assembly process, and the wall strengthens, and so it narrows again. And so that was in 2007. In 2023, Clemson had partnered with a company um, that had actually done the first inhuman clinical study that proved that aneurysms could be prevented from bursting by slowing their growth with a single or two applications of this naturally derived substance. It's a polyphenol. It's the stuff that's found in grapes, red wine. That's not to mm -hmm. say you should go off drinking a whole bunch of red wine because it has to be very concentrated mm -hmm. and so it has to be delivered directly to the, uh, to the aneurysm. But um, so this was very recent and this is a huge breakthrough. And they did it by targeting something that no one else had done. And that was the elastic that was in the artery. I am the co-founder of a company called Elastrin Therapeutics that combines that natural substance uh, with um, a nanoparticle to target um, all of the weaknesses throughout the entire vascular uh, system. Mm -hmm. And um, our scientists at Clemson have proven that they have been able to reverse hardening of the arteries uh, in laboratory animals. We're still in, in preclinical, but we're hoping to be in clinical in the next uh, two years. So here you have in the clinic already, first in human, uh, these aneurysms being prevented from growing. And then uh, coming down the pipe, uh, the systemic repair of elastic fiber, which by the way, is also the stuff that makes your skin elastic. It's not collagen, like everyone is told by the cosmetics companies because they don't know how to fix elastic fiber. Mm -hmm. Collagen keeps your skin firm and stiff. <laughs> it doesn't give it flexibility. Mm -hmm. When you're sagging, that is actually the loss of flexibility of the elastic. And everyone gets it because after the age of 30, your body stops assembling this elastic. Mm. And this natural substance reverses that process. That is an example, Jules, of what's coming down the pipe. It's hugely exciting. And yes, I do have an interest in that company, and I'm proud to. <laughs> well, friend, before we let you go, the floor is yours. Let our listeners remember you of something. Remind them of something that they should be thinking about. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just let us go with something that you believe is something they want and that's something that they can use as they stay healthy moving forward. Yeah, before you get any bad news or if you get the bad news, educate yourself, get the book, get the information and write me, you know, uh, at my website. The website is www.natureoflongevity. That's all one word, natureoflongevity.com. Uh, and I think Jules is going to be on your website as well. So mm -hmm. people can uh, see it there. So number one, inform yourself Two, demand, start demanding, saying we need access uh, to these therapies that are proven in studies. Number three, have a look at your nutrition, have a serious look at your nutrition, try and go plant based. And by the way, when people are complaining about the cost of food, meat is a heck of a lot more expensive than vegetables. 
So that's for people who can't afford, you know, the food today. So think about that uh, as well. So educate yourself, empower yourself and go for it. Thank you so much, Douglas. And let's just listen to those words. Let's demand. Let's request more. Let's make sure that we keep asking the questions until we get our needs met. Because on this platform, we never give up. We are going to empower ourselves, like Douglas said. We're going to fight and go the extra mile whenever we need to. Because our plight and our fight is for anyone and everyone who feels a need to be understood. We are strong as individuals, but unstoppable when we unite. Tune in, friends, to another He's Just a Social Worker show coming real soon to a town near you. We out. Please note that the views expressed here are my own and not a representation of my employers and clients. Thank you for listening. We're always here for you. Just message us and we'll get back to you within 24 hours. Thank you. More than just at He's Just a Social Worker. In memory of my mother, Matilde De La Rosa, this is dedicated to you, Mom. Miss you so much. En memoria de mi madre, Matilde de la Rosa, esto va dedicado a ti, mamá. Te extraño mucho.